0: Well good morning. morning. Welcome to everybody who's joining us on site here and those who are joining us online as well. Glad you're with us today. Uh, Boy, that was a lot of information, Zach. That was a lot. (laughs) We are kind of into the thick of it right now in the middle of uh, December here with lots of staff and volunteers. Very, very busy. As Andrew mentioned, over 350 people for gingerbread night. That's a lot of people from the church but Lots of the daycare families and community families came up for that as well I think that's probably the probably the biggest gingerbread night we've had I think since so. uh this started oh God like ten years ago something like that gosh, it's been probably ten years, hey yeah wow and uh also lots of other concerts happening this week, Zach, you're busy with those.
1: yeah, yeah, we had three uh school schools come through the the churches last week, all in a row, one, two, three, yeah and uh, literally thousands of people thousands. here this last weekend. Uh, yeah, it was great.
0: Yeah, this is all good news. These are all ways that the community, we're engaged with them. We can live out our values of heartfelt hospitality and, and striving to strengthen communities as well by, by using our wonderful facility and our wonderful people to, um, to host these. And I just wanna, this is just pause for a second. I just wanna say thank you to the staff and to the volunteers who literally have hosted thousands mm-hmm. of people from our community this week. Can we, can we thank them for their time? Yeah. Absolutely. It's wonderful. You know, And when we do this, not only do we have an opportunity to connect with people, as you know, I spoke of in a message just a couple weeks ago in our value of strengthening communities, not only do we have a chance to connect with people, but we can reach out into the community. And, and as, as they come in and, and they view things that we see on Sunday morning that they see the first time, like our pew portal, for yep. example. Uh, and actually during one of the concerts, one of the attendees, you know, I'm sure many of them scanned the pew portal, but uh, one of them actually submitted a question. Uh, during one of those concerts
1: yeah yeah it was really interesting I was kind of just in the middle of the concert and all of a sudden I see this question come through um, and it said I have so many questions about life that I'm looking for answers for
0: what is the meaning of life is God real please give me answers to these questions that I need so first of all I I think it's awesome that 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 question was submitted but at at the same time uh, isn't it's a great reminder to us of the importance of why we do some of these things Mm -hmm. of why we connect with our community, why we engage, why we have an online ministry, why we do Pastor 411, because people have questions, and questions that need answers, and if we aren't available and connecting to provide some of those answers, they're just gonna do a Google search, and whoever's at the top of the list will become the authority on the answer to those questions that they have, and so it's wonderful when we can connect and have a relationship on these things. So in response to that question that came in, though, uh, first of all, I I just wanted to say, whoever that person is, maybe you're watching online or even with us, this morning, um, or if you have that same question, I want you to know that God is real and that God really, really does love you. And it's not an accident that you're asking that question and that you have found a place that can answer that question for you. That's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. You're asking that question because there are answers out there that can be found. Now, unfortunately, that answer is bigger than I can fully address in this very moment right here, but but if that person wants to email me or give me a call during the week, I'd be so happy to continue that conversation. I can also encourage people who are questioning, you know, who is God? Is He real? What's the meaning for life? That is the purpose for which a program called Alpha exists as well, and we're already taking registrations for the Alpha that will take place in January. Alpha is this safe, open place where you can come ask questions, process and wrestle with some of these things in um, in a format that is that is safe to do so. Uh, and if you want to join Alpha, you can just go to our website, westmeadows.org, and at the top you'll see it says Next Steps. Under that tab you'll find Join a Group, and under Join a Group you'll see uh, a link to our Alpha and all of our teaching groups mm-hmm. that are there. So I encourage you, you or whoever suggest, submitted this question to... Uh, to consider joining us for Alpha or to reach out to me this week. For the rest of us, let this be a reminder that in the world around us, all of us have people in our community, in our homes, in our schools, in our offices that are asking these questions too. They may not have verbalized them you, but these are questions that exist in their hearts and their minds. And if we are present for those people, asking them a question such as, would you like to come to Christmas Eve service with me? Asking them a question such as, have you ever considered attending Alpha? that we can do our part by asking that question to help them find answers to their questions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's important all year
0: round, yes.
1: but especially this time of Christmas when people are so curious about church and, and life and faith and God and all those things.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for that, Zach. And, and so Pastor 411 was one of the ways that we answer some of these questions and how we can help you find answers to those things. And so this is week two, our final week of the Christmas edition of this uh, and this week, we're going to unwrap some of the myths around Christmas celebrations and traditions. And, you know, uh, traditions and celebrations, for example, uh, my sweater is a tradition that happened. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to wear it this year, but there were people online in the foyer for the last three weeks who have been asking me, when are we going to see the smirking reindeer? When, <laughs> when is that going to happen? And, and remember, this is the one where his, he can't see it, but his nose lights up. So, yeah, it's kind of... Oh, there, oh, we, go. there we go. Yes, perfect. So... Yes, it happens. So I'll, uh, yes, first question that just came in, can you turn that off? Yes, yeah. I will turn that off. So, so there's traditions. What's the origin of that? I, I saw it at Walmart and I bought it. Is the, is the origin, and people keep asking for it. So sometimes they're as simple as that, but there's other questions that might come in too, hey Zach?
1: Yeah, and we've got lots of questions ready for today, but if you still want to send in your questions, you can still participate mm-hmm. with us. And so if you're joining us here in person, that Pew portal that we've talked about already, you can scan that, there's a link there, you can submit your questions. Uh, but if you're joining us online, just type your questions in the chat there, and we've got our laptop here. Yeah, and my
0: glasses this week. Yeah. Oh, I, I can actually read them. You can read the questions, <laughs> yeah, and we'll try to answer them as we go. Yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah, I know all of us have traditions. All of us have celebrations this time of year that we kind of default to, and, and it's great. It makes part of the season of Christmas all that much more enjoyable, but often we don't actually know the background, do we? We don't, we don't know the origin of all of these traditions that we have at times. Uh, and sometimes people will try to mislead us, or they'll try to devalue some of our celebrations. And some of the things that we emphasize as, as followers of Christ, some things that we would emphasize, they might try to devalue some of those and, and even spread myths about them. So this was why we're doing this today. We, like, this is one of those things. I know it's a different format than we usually do for, for church services throughout the year and whatnot, but, but these are questions that exist and never get answered. And yeah. so let's, let's learn about this. Let's take time to learn about this today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our, our first question as we're kind of unwrapping the myths around the Christmas traditions is, yeah. is Christmas a pagan
0: Holiday. Yeah, let's start with the biggest one. You've probably heard this before. You've probably heard this before, that, that Christmas is a pagan festival that was simply appropriated by Christians, you know, many, 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 many centuries ago. So, have you ever, ever heard that before? Yeah, I'm sure everyone practically has heard that before. Well, let, let me give you some background to the claim of this. So, so the claim is, is, is this, is, is that before Christmas was, was a thing, that there was a winter solstice uh, festival called uh, Saturnalia. And that was basically the celebration of the birth of the sun on the shortest day of the year. So, you know, later in December, shortest day of the year, they'd have this festival, the celebration to, to celebrate the birth of the sun. And it had a lot of similarities to what we do at Christmas. For example, it takes place in mid-December. Uh, people, as part of their celebrations, would decorate their homes with greenery. They would use lots of lights and candles in the celebration, and they would practice gift-giving during this too, so uh, also in addition to that, they'd hold lots of parties for the few days that this that this festival happened, and, and during those parties, there was lots of you know gluttony and drunkenness, and for some of you may have gone office parties where it's like yeah, that sounds familiar too, right? Uh, but then when Rome became a Christian empire. This is the claim. When Rome became a Christian empire, uh, the Christian people kind of co-opted this festival and said, well, we want to have fun too. We want to celebrate too. But we can't celebrate the way and what you're celebrating. So we're just going to kind of co-opt that and make it our own, and we're going to call it Christmas. Celebration of the birth of Christ. And so instead of having the celebration of the birth of the sun in the sky, the Christians thought they'd be cute and say, well, we're going to have the celebration of the one true sun. This is where the myth and, and the... Uh, background to where that statement comes from. And you can probably see enough points of commonality and you can understand why this claim exists, because there's a lot of similarities that take place. And you might even be thinking, well, yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like that's probably what happened. But here's the issue. This belief, or this myth, uh, it starts with taking a little bit of history, add a dash of misattribution, and pour in some negative sentiment, Shake that all together, and you get this claim, is where it comes from. So I've just given you the history part, that there is a historical event, there is a historical winter solstice festival that did take place. That's the historical aspect of it. That has similar dates, and it has similar elements during the celebration of that festival. So that's the historical part. What about the misattribution part? Well, it reminds me of something I, that I learned when I was in university is this wonderful phrase, and it's a phrase you might want to write down and, and it works in so many situations, is this. Correlation does not mean causation. Okay? Just because things are correlated doesn't mean things are caused. Correlation does not mean causation. Are there similarities? Absolutely. But those similarities do not mean that there's causation. That means that there are things that can run parallel to each other but never actually relate to each other. Correlation does not mean causation. What do I mean by that? Well, are there similar dates? Yes. Uh, The the Winter Solstice Festival tends to happen around December 17th to 23rd. But never has it ever fallen on December 25th. Hmm. And so there's correlation, but there's not an exact uh, connection there. The elements of decorating houses with greenery, using candles. So decorating a house, using candles, giving gifts. Those are pretty common celebratory elements, I, I think. And, and given how common they are, it's pretty difficult to say just because they correlate means that they're, that they're, they're pagan, that, that pagan owns all celebrations that include gifts and candles and decorations. Right. right.
1: So that would mean that every kid's birthday party, yep. every wedding, every yep. anniversary, every celebration of that manner
0: is similar in its claim. By the logic of that... Yeah, then that the you know paganism could claim all of those as well. Right. Yes, if that was the basis of this. So we've got some historical aspects. We've got some misattribution taking place. But the final thing that we have is that we have this negative sentiment that we need to kind of finish it off to come up with this belief. Because typically a person who would say this will be in a, in a position where they're trying to have a reactionary statement or a reactionary position against Christmas. Or, or they have some sort of ulterior motive. And this happens at two ends of the spectrum. There are Christians who believe this. And who, who basically say, you know, I'm just going to practice the wholesale rejection of anything worldly or anything suspiciously worldly. And so on this one side, they will completely retreat from Christmas celebrations and things like that because of, um, because of this negative sentiment towards that. On the other end of the spectrum, we have what we refer to as like secular humanists, secular humanists who believe in emphasizing human creation of everything, including uh, religious practices. And so we've got these people at the extremes of the continuum who would, who would say this, but they have, but given the nature of their positions, their worldviews, they have uh, ulterior motives and kind of the negative sentiments that go into the beliefs that they hold. But, but here's the last thing I guess we can say about this, is that even if, Christ, uh, even if Christmas did have pagan roots... Over the last 1,700 years, since this this exchange supposedly took place, over the last 1,700 years, Christmas has come to mean something that any self-respecting pagan would be absolutely furious about. Because Christmas is not about the celebration of the birth of the Son. It's not about paganism. It's about Luke 2.11, where it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Christmas is the celebration of the one true God who was sent who sent his son Jesus to die for our sins and to be our only hope of salvation. That is so opposite of paganism that any suggestion that that's the origins of it should be absolutely dismissed.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question to kind of get us off with for our Christmas traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, before we jump on to our next question, I just want to address a quick one online oh, here. One. Um,
0: perhaps you can answer this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, why doesn't Zach participate in the sweater tradition? You know, I tried to give him a vest. <laughs> a vest. A, a Christmas vest. vest. It was fashionable. Well. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, that's a good question for Zach. I know. Why is it, Zach? Because you wear a sweater <laughs> so much better than I do. I just, <laughs> we'll you. leave it at that for today. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right. You okay. have one more week. I have one more week. And I still have the vest. Okay. Maybe, can, maybe we'll I'll see. set you up to the point where you have to wear it next oh, week. Oh, no. boy. I think
1: maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's get back to these. Okay. Well, let's move on to another question. The next question. A few people sent this one in, uh, and this is about the date of Christmas. Yeah. Um, so the question is, I hear uh, that we celebrate Jesus' birth on the wrong month. Was he really born on the 25th?
0: Right. We probably heard this one too, right? It was 25th, really, really Jesus' birthday. Um, well, the first time that this was ever mentioned was back in the third century, by a guy you've probably never heard of before a guy called uh hippolytus okay he was an early church father and he um whether it's accurate or not he was the first one to talk about this and he emerges from bible study from from doing some bible study and basically what happened is the early church fathers, using the details that we find in the book of Luke, calculated December 25th to be the day of Jesus' birth. And, and I'll just walk you through their logic very basically. And it starts with this. It starts in Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 25, which is where we read about Zechariah, who is a priest serving the temple, and he is selected by lot to go in and burn incense inside the holy place within the temple. And while he's there, Gabriel comes and makes the announcement that his wife Elizabeth is going to have a son who is would become John the Baptist, who will be the forerunner of the Messiah. This is breaking the 400-year silence where God said in the, in, in Malachi, at the end of the book of Malachi, he said, I will send one who will go before the Messiah. So this was sort of picking up where, where God had left off in prophecy and where it all begins in, in Luke chapter 1. Now, traditionally, this took place on the Day of Atonement, uh, referred to as, as Yom Kippur. You've probably heard of Yom Kippur before, maybe on some of your calendars. And Yom Kippur happens in late September, Uh, Next year, guess what day Yom Kippur is on next September in 2023? September 25th is is when Yom Kippur is. And so it's believed that that Zachariah went into the holy place, met with Gabriel who said your wife's going to have a son. That will be John the Baptist on the 25th of this month. Now, fast forward to Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 and 38, and this is where the angel now appears to Mary, and it says that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive the Messiah, Jesus. So if we go from Yom Kippur and fast forward six months, that takes us to March 25th. Now, another church follower called Tertullian uh, calculated that to be the conception date of of Jesus, of March 25th. And then again, to the next step in Luke chapter 2, we read that nine months later, because Jesus was perfect and because Jesus was right on time, right? How could the Savior not be born exactly nine months after conception? Um, He was born, therefore, on December 25th, which is nine months after March 25th, Uh, and so that's, that's kind of where that date comes from. Um, it wasn't co-opted from a pagan festival, as some people claim, and to match up with our first question. No, it, it emerges from these early church followers who did this uh, study and tried to apply the biblical text to a real-world real world historical event. Here's the problem is that in order for that to actually be how it happened, uh, that requires, the very, very first thing, that requires Zechariah to have gone into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, which is unlikely. And the reason it's unlikely is because according to the Old Testament, only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, and even then, only once per year on that Day of Atonement. And we know from other details in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts, that the high priest was Enaz, was the high priest of that particular time. And so, Zechariah would have been able to go into the holy place which the Old Testament also tells us the priests went into twice per day every day to burn incense. So, so Zechariah went into the holy place, not into the holy of holies, that, a priest, that the high priest enters only once a year. And so because he didn't go to the holy of holies, but only to the holy place, that happened twice per day every day, and therefore this calculation falls apart on that because literally that could have been any day of the year for our starting point from where we start and then count forward from there does that make sense yeah so that, that's kind of where it comes from that's where it originates from but it's also problematic because um It wasn't the Day of Atonement, or it was very, very unlikely that it was the Day of Atonement. But, you know, it's a possibility that exists. Now, this led to a lot of debates. Because they couldn't land on a date, it led to a lot of debates and disagreements and um, other Christian traditions would start to emphasize other days to celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world. And so, for example, in uh, Western Europe, and Western Christian tradition, we know that Christmas lands on December 25th, because that's considered the the Feast of Christ's Birth. But in Eastern Europe, in the Eastern Christian traditions, Christmas falls on a different date. we know what date that lands on? January 6th, yeah, which is my birthday, by the way. Uh, January 6th uh, is when, uh, yeah, I was born on Christmas Day if I was... Eastern European. Um, yeah, so it lands on January 6th in the Eastern traditions because that's the celebration of when the wise men came to visit and considered the celebration of Jesus' baptism. Now, they held a, a church council back in the year 576 to try to reconcile all this and to sort of land on one date that the entire kind of church world could celebrate. Uh, they weren't able to agree. And so what they did instead of agreeing on a single day is they decided that they're going to make all of the days between December 25th and January 6th, holy days. Holy days, which came to be referred to as holidays. That's where we get the word holidays from, is from the holy days that exist. They became known as holidays. Does anybody know how many holidays exist between December 25th and January 6th? Twelve. And that's where we get our 12 days of Christmas from. Ah. That's where the 12 days of Christmas come from. Okay. Okay, nice. Right? Oh, oh. we learn- See, we're learning. <laughs> there we go. Yeah.
1: So. It is possible, that's yes. what you're saying, right? Um, but it's unlikely that twenty fifth, December yeah. 25th was Jesus' birthday. Yeah,
0: it's possible but unlikely, right. So so that's it. Uh, but let's just remember, it's not about the day, right? There's nothing significant about the day itself. It's about the event and about the person. That's what we are focusing on celebrating when it comes to Christmas. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, let's move on to another question. Sure. Uh, and this question could many, it might bother a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the question is, is it wrong to use Xmas instead of Christmas.
0: Right. Yeah. So for many Christians, even the sight of this word bothers them. So we're in a we're in a safe safe space. Safe space. Right. So let's let's do a quick poll. Who doesn't like or who doesn't use the word Xmas? Yeah, there's a lot of hands going. I'm I'm not surprised by that. We probably expected That's a very safe poll to take. Yeah. Doesn't use the word Xmas. No surprise there. Uh, And and that's because it's seen, you know, it's understood to be part of this kind of culture war on Christmas. Uh, You've probably heard the phrase, you know, know, taking Christ out of Christmas. Um, The reactionary statement being, let's keep Christ in Christmas. And and quite often, this is um, one of the triggers for Mm -hmm. for a statement like that. Uh, However... The origin of this word actually has nothing to do with present-day culture. You may not even realize actually how old this word is. And so here's the, a quick history on the word Xmas. It actually was first used back in the 4th century um, by the Roman empire, Emperor Constantine, who when he converted to Christianity, and he, therefore he converted the entire empire to Christianity, um, they started using this, the Greek word for Christ, which is Christos, and the first two letters of the word Christos, the first one is, is chai, which is uh, an X. The second letter, the R, is, is rho, which looks like a P. I know when, you, when you're reading Greek, if you see a P, it actually sounds like an R. Um, so the first letter is an X, the second letter is an R. And so they actually abbreviated that down to a symbol. And the symbol you see on your screen, you may have seen that in some really, really old um, uh, Roman Empire kind of ancient um, Texts and things like that. It was sort of how that was abbreviated down. And this was placed, this was done because they would place it on banners, they would, they would place it on shields, uh, these sorts of things within the empire. Eventually got shortened down to just an X. They went down to just the X after a while. And if you're watching like old, like really, really old war, like uh, movies about the Roman Empire and stuff, and you see soldiers going to battle with their shields, they got a big X on the front, this is sort of the origin of that. And, and it's an abbreviation for the word Christos. And what it was understood across everyone in the empire. Everyone in the empire understood it to mean, may Christ's cross give me success. And so whatever they would put that on was like an oath of declaration of allegiance to Christ and and sort of asking for Christ to give us success in whatever that endeavor may be. And you know what? It shows up in our world today that you may not even notice how often it shows up in our world today. For example, if you go to a place and they ask you to sign a contract... You get down to the signature line. You sign beside the. X. Beside the X. This still emerges from this tradition from, from, centuries ago, or if I were to say I cross my heart. It's the same idea. It's it's swearing this leath of uh of this swearing oath before God basically, or if I have a Valentine's Day card and I and I give it to Nadine, I'm like Nadine, I love you more today than the day we met, right? X O X O X O the X is symbolic of a sworn oath. And we know what the O's stand for? Kisses. Kisses. And so X-O is a shorthand of "I seal my oath with a kiss," is what those XO's mean. On our thing, so so we can see it. This started back with an abbreviation for Christos, down to an X R or like a chi rho, down to just the X, and it's actually exist in our culture right up right up to today, and that's sort of the basis for where we get the Xmas from. It's it's not malicious. It's 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 not an agenda type thing. Um, It's not Xing out Christ. It's an abbreviation that in its origin, all people understood to mean Christ. Right. So so that's the background of it.
1: So I'm curious, if we were to return to our show of hands, how many would still avoid using Xmas?
0: Yeah, the same number. (laughs) Same, same number. (laughs) And I knew you would do that. And and here's why, and here's why. Uh, And the reason being is because meanings of words and customs are not determined by their origin, it's actually determined by their current use. And I just shared a bunch of information with you that is true and accurate to its origin, but not true necessarily to its current use and to the current sentiment that it has. Um, its current uses is what influences our use of it, right? For example, if you were to open a box, a present under the tree, and you take the paper off, and you see the word Nike with a swoop on the front, you're going to think of the company Nike. You're going to think... I just got some cool kicks for Christmas. That's what you guys, that's what you young'uns call it, is kicks, right? Cool. Yep. We called them sneakers back in my day, but you call them kicks. Good. I got some cool good. kicks for Christmas. All right. right, good. So that's what you're going to think, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> What's you are going to think. You're not going to think about the, uh, you know, the, the mythological Greek goddess of victory who the company Nike is named after. You're, you're not going to see somebody like Ron's wearing Nikes today. And, and, and we're not going to be like, Ron, you're a goddess worshiper because you're wearing Nikes. Right. No, that's the origin of the meaning, but we don't use that. We use what it means today. And we think of the company and the, and the cool kicks that we use today, right? Uh, we saw the same thing in our, um, here at Edmonton. Edmonton used to be known as the city of champions, right? Mm-hmm. But not anymore. It was decided that that needed to change, and so we entered a debate. What is the current meaning? And now it's the city of speed traps, or it's the, <laughs> the city of road construction, or, or Edmonton, at least it's not Calgary. These are the, these are the mottos yeah. of current use that we have, right? So the origin will be one thing, but its current use determines how we use it nowadays. And so even if the origin of Xmas is, is an oculus to kind of where it came from and why, uh, we do have concern over its current symbolic meaning that exists today. Because society does tend to try to minimize or remove Jesus from the public square. We know that that's a common experience that we have. And so I'm not saying that Xmas is an intentional movement by people of that persuasion to remove Christ from Christmas. But even if there's a lack of motivation for those things, it, the end result is it is one more way of doing that. And so I leave you with this encouragement on this question. Number one... Don't get too worked up over it, but at the same time, intentionally promote and use Christmas instead of Xmas. Like, 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 like don't get too worked up and assume ulterior motives of people that, that use it, um, but let's be intentional about using the word Christmas, as we say Merry Christmas. This is just one small way that we can keep Christ on the lips and the ears and the minds and hearts of people during this season. So, so yeah, so let's not use Xmas, even though its origin is, is different than we, than we may think.
1: Yeah. Perfect. And we can wear nice kicks. Would we do that? Kicks, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Uh, let's move on to another question. Uh, this one might be fun for some <laughs> others. Uh, this question is, was there really a Santa
0: Claus? Yeah, was there really a Santa Claus? I, I think it's actually a fascinating story that may not be too far off some legends. Hmm. So, so what are some other names that we, instead of Santa Claus, what are some other names that you're familiar with? Kris Kringle. <laughs> oh, that was one. What was that? Père, oh, Père Noël, oh, you're getting fancy on me now. Yeah, Père Noël. Old Saint Nick, yeah, There's jolly one. old Saint Nick. Yep. That's the one, <laughs> that's the one. You know, uh, yeah, our stories and our legends about Santa Claus go all the way back to jolly old Saint Nick. Well, we don't know if he was jolly, mm-hmm. we knew he was old and, and uh, we do know that he was a saint. Um, and so the stories come from a guy who was named Nicholas, who was born in the 4th century in a, in a town on coastal Turkey. He was born to wealthy Christian parents, and even as a child, you know, reports of him as a child are that he was a a a good child, a child of virtue, of self control. Who even at a very young age was very interested in and studied scriptures, to the point where at at, at a young age he actually entered a monastery that was that was run by his uncle um, to train up as a priest. And he was there for quite a while, and he eventually was ordained as a priest. Uh, within the Christian faith. Now, shortly around the time of his ordination, his parents died. And when they died, he received a very substantial inheritance because they were a wealthy family. And as he, you know, his character and his virtue and this wealthy inheritance, he quickly became known as being a very generous person who would give to the poor and would give regularly to the needy. One of the stories that is, you know, as well as stories can be documented from this, from this era, but one of the, the stories of notable significance is about a man uh, in his town who went bankrupt. And the creditors came and they took all of his property and he still didn't have enough to pay off the debt, so they threatened to come take his three young daughters and to sell them into slavery to pay off some of this debt that this man had. And his only hope was to marry off his three daughters before they could be taken into slavery. The problem was, this man couldn't afford the dowry in order to marry off his daughters. Well, Nicholas heard about this, and he went by one night, and he threw a bag of gold through this man's window. Uh, some some um, times they'll say, you know, down the chimney, but, but he, he threw a bag of gold through, through the window and this father woke up the next morning and he found this bag of gold and it was enough money that he could marry off his eldest daughter and and then that was resolved, but then he had two more daughters still. So, so this process repeated itself two more times, where this mysterious bag of gold kept getting thrown through the window to marry off the first daughter, and then to marry off the second one. Uh, the third one, the father was, was you know suspicious and kind of on the lookout for it. And so as the story goes, the third bag of gold came through the window, but this time it fell into a stockings that were drying by the fireplace. And the father saw that, ran outside, caught Nicholas wanted to thank him, but Nicholas said, yes, you know, yes, I've done this, but I do not want any glory, I want all glory to go to God for it, and so he made the Father swear an oath not to tell anybody that it was him. Hmm. Um, And this is where some of the origins of hanging stockings by the fireplace and and secret gift giving uh, started taking place at the time, at the anniversary of the death of of St. Nicholas, which would happen a little while later on. Uh, So, so Nicholas would go on to become the Archbishop of um, Lycia, And as the bishop of that region, he was known as a kind man, a humble man, a compassionate and and generous. uh, Really, a man of mercy who who the people really thought very, very highly of and and adored. Uh, Throughout his time serving that area, he also endured severe persecution by the Emperor um, Diocletian. During that time, severe persecution on the Christian church during that time. Uh, but he remained faithful even though he was imprisoned for, for many, many years. He was imprisoned. Uh, also, as a, as a bishop, he, he was a vehement defender of the doctrine of the Trinity. When that was being debated and threatened within, within the early church, he adamantly, just vehemently defended the doctrine of the Trinity, even at a great personal cost to himself. And then when he died on December 6th, um, 343, a feast, a festival, a celebration quickly became associated with his with the anniversary of his death that involved this secret gift giving that would take place, and, and so that's where some of those traditions come from. Um, and so, so the date and some of these events that take place around then uh, again are not from the, the Saturnalia festival. Um, you know, they actually started. You know, you know christmas first initiated first started on actually december 6th was was the first date and eventually got moved to december 25th based upon the calculations of the scripture we went through earlier um but the the celebration itself actually started on december 6th which was the anniversary of the death of of saint nicholas and now uh so that's where that started in europe uh over time uh some dutch speaking uh children started to leave their shoes outside overnight and some of the legend starts to go from here um, and they leave their shoes out overnight, and then overnight their shoes would be filled with candy and small gifts by a supposed man in a red-clad, white-bearded um, outfit, who was referred to as Sinterklaas. And then as some of those Dutch-speaking people immigrated to North America, they brought those traditions with them. And they gradually gained um, some traction in North America through through immigration until the 19th century when all of a sudden this white-bearded man in a red-clad suit made his very first appearance in North America in uh, Washington Irving's um, writing "'Twas the Night Before Christmas in the 1900s, or the 19th century. And the rest of it is history for North America from there. Yeah. So,
1: <clears throat> excuse me. There really was a Santa Claus, or maybe Saint, Saint, Saint Nick, yep. uh, that our traditions are based off of. Right? Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 From stockings to secret gift giving to you know December festivals, yeah, we find its origins in in celebrating the uh, Saint Nicholas. Yeah, for sure. Now, in addition to that, since uh, Saint Nicholas was a devout Christian man. Um, they started to apply biblical themes to him as well, and that started to shape some of the legends about Santa Claus that we have as well. You know, for example, um, this idea that St. Nicholas comes once per year, and he comes once a year, and then he rewards and punishes the good and bad girls and boys. Uh, this came to be associated with some biblical themes, such as considered being like a mini-judgment day. Uh, it's like in Revelation 19, 11, where it says... Um, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called faithful and true. With justice he judges. And so some people would look at this, and they would apply this to what we do at Christmas. And they'd be like, see, it's this little mini judgment that happens once per year. And, you know, in the places that that would think of these things in northern Europe and Russia, they didn't have horses uh, in some of those areas because of the, the climate and the terrain. But what they did have is they had a lot of reindeer. And so then the tradition eventually evolved from horses to, to reindeer based upon this. Uh, another one, the idea of, that Santa has a naughty and a nice list has been tied to Revelation 3.5. It talks about um, you know, the one who is victorious will be dressed in white and their name never blotted out from the book of life. And um, so that's kind of a naughty nice list connection that some people point at and this idea that angels who are assumed to be the keepers of this book um, you know eventually became elves who serve St. Nicholas there's others I'm not gonna get into these too much because obviously that's not what these passages are about it just I I just mentioned a few of them to show this is this is kind of where the legend and the lore around Santa uh, and others take shape from so all that being said there's lots of good things that we can actually uh, remember and teach our kids about Santa Uh, like the life of St. Nicholas, a a man who was generous, who was was kind, who was humble, uh, faithful to God and faithful to people. So there's things like that that I think are worth uh, teaching and and emphasizing. But at the same time, we want to be careful because there are some other things where tradition and lore has really kind of taken off with it. Um, And around Christmas, around some of the elements, we might want to be more cautious with some of those things. That we uh, teach our kids. So, you know, around our house, we've always had fun with um, with Santa in our home, and you know, Santa's going to visit Lydia pretty soon here. Uh, but there's other aspects about about you know legend and lore around Santa that we we tend to avoid, and and others will avoid it all altogether. And well, that's okay. Um, wherever you land on this issue with Santa, well, that's okay. Let's just uh, perhaps follow the example of Saint Nick and be generous and charitable in grace to each other on that.
1: Mm-hmm on that note let's let's wrap up with one final question for today and that question is what is the true
0: meaning of Christmas yeah good question to end on what is the true meaning of Christmas we'll end on this one uh, that's a great question and it leads us actually one of the most well-known verses in the whole Bible you know John three sixteen and 17 for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him this gives us the basis for understanding what the true meaning of Christmas celebrations and uh, that incredible love that God showed through Jesus Christ why does he love us because all of us are created in his image and all of us were made for eternal community with him why did he send his son that we celebrate on Christmas because our sin separates us from that community. Or our sin separates us from having that eternal community with God. And we need a Savior to save us from that situation. And then why do we celebrate Christmas each year? It's a celebration of not just remembering that God came in the form of a baby to minister and be among us, but it's also our opportunity to express our gratefulness for the love that he's shown in that incredible gift. And i got to say, you know, if, if you're... Christmas experience of your Christmas joy is based upon traditions and it's based upon the materialistic aspects of the season, you're probably going to ask questions like this. Like, like, what is the true meaning of Christmas? You're probably going to feel like the joy and the experience you have is lacking something, that it, 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 it's temporary. It's going to leave you looking for something more because uh, questions like this one tend to emerge from people who see something in others That they're missing in their own lives. And what are we missing? We're missing God's gift of love that was wrapped in swaddling cloths and placed in a manger. We're absent of that experience of, of a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that absence gets absolutely magnified at Christmas time. It exists throughout the entire year, but it gets magnified at Christmas when we have these celebrations and focus upon these things. And that makes this question really the most important one that we could ask, anyone could ask at this time of year. What is the true meaning of Christmas? And the true meaning of Christmas is to focus, to celebrate, to remember, and to receive that gift of love that is for all of us, that is available to all people. But we have to choose to receive it. See, it's just like any gift that we find under our Christmas tree. If somebody went out and thought of you, what does this person need most? And then they bought it. They wrapped it. They put your name on it and placed it under the tree. And then when Christmas morning comes, that person takes the gift and, and they extend their arms and they offer it to you. But, but at what point does that gift actually become yours? It doesn't actually become yours until you choose to receive it for yourself. Up until that point, it was, you were thought of, it was bought for you, it was purchased for you, it had your name on it, it was offered to you freely with no conditions, just to simply receive it. The potential of it being yours has always been there, but until that moment that you receive it, it actually truly is not yours. And so as we think about this true meaning of Christmas being the gift of love, sent down from God, born to us as a babe want to ask you that question. Have, have you ever received that incredible gift for yourself? Or maybe if you've received it but you know that there's been a period of time where you've wandered away and even though you received it, you've kind of stuck it on a shelf for a while. But maybe this is the Christmas where you take that down off the shelf and you start to treasure it again. Or maybe you've always been aware of it but if you're honest, you, you, you haven't really used that gift to its fullest extent and you need to confess that maybe confess it and start expressing it better this Christmas season. Whatever that case may be, there's a gift of love that God sent to all of us that we get to celebrate, we get to remember, and we get to receive during the Christmas season. For that that
1: gift of love, that gift giver, our our Father, will you you close us in prayer as we speak to the one who gives us
0: love? Yeah. Join me in a word of prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season of Christmas. We thank you for our ability to come together and to remember, to celebrate, to to learn more about, not not just about why and how and and where and some of these things that we focus upon during the season, but also, Lord, for us to to pause today and to reflect about how we celebrate, how we remember, how we express to the world around us the true meaning of Christmas. Lord, for those who are here with us on site and those who are are watching and listening online, Lord, if, if there are any who have not said yes to Jesus who have never in their lives accepted that gift and taken it to their own, to be their own, I pray that right now, Lord, that that they would choose to say yes. That they would make that known here in this place, Lord. That they would make that known online, Lord. And that this would be a Christmas where they fully understand and experience for the first time the true meaning of Christmas. For those of us, Lord, who perhaps have wandered but are now coming back at this time of year, I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to continue to walk faithfully with you. For those of us who maybe have not honored and respected our relationship with you in these past weeks and months, maybe even for years, Lord, help us to confess that and to express it in a way that is bringing you honor and bringing you glory. Because this is the day, this is the season that we remember and we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus.